you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, and we'll be continuing our study walking through this letter, and we'll be continuing it with chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. Chapter 9, verses 15 through 23. Now, our country is passionate about a good many things, and it's not Just those things that we so often might think of, like the issues of our day. We see that. People are right or wrong. I mean, they're passionate about all sorts of things. But, so not just those, but we're also seeing passions for all sorts of other things as well. And as we see this passion in our day, it's not just a should be, as in, you know, you should be passionate about this or that, but really many are kind of pressing it on us and saying, you must be passionate about this or that. So be passionate about your job. Be passionate about your hobby or hobbies. Be passionate about traveling or going or going to see the world. You know, be passionate about what you read, about what you watch, about what you listen to. Be passionate about your marriage. Be passionate about that relationship. Be passionate about that friendship. Be passionate about resolving the issues of our day. And I'm sure you could add more to all those as well. Now, in the midst of all this, in a day where just everyone's passionate about everything... There is a point to seeing all this. And there's a lesson for us as believers that we're not just to go about life and to go about doing spiritual things, reading our Bibles as though it's just business as usual. But the issue with our passions for this or for that or whatever it may be is where is it rooted? Where is it rooted? Is it rooted in truth? Is it moved by the truth? And so then what it does then, and it goes out passionately for the sake of the truth, even in your jobs, even in your hobbies, even in your reading, even in your watching and your relationships. As we've been going through 1 Corinthians, I think the words of C.S. Lewis are fitting this morning as we consider our search for something true, even something worthy of being passionate about, which is another question. Is it something worthy of your passions and of your central passion above everything else? So C.S. Lewis, he said in Mere Christianity, he wrote this. He said, your real new self which is Christ's and also yours and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself 
and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look to Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. This morning, we turn to see the intensity of a man who did that, of Paul's passion, and that passion rooted in the truth, found through and in Christ. And there, right there, we also have the central thing that we are to be passionate about also, and so also through him, we go and live in the world. So to see this, let's read here, beginning with verse 15. May the Spirit of Christ help us, grow us, transform us at the reading of his word. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For if necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law though not being myself under the law, that I may win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel." that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, what's amazing about these verses, along with everything else that we might say, is they come right in the thick of the broader point that Paul is making here, and he's addressing. So Paul's addressing here his rights as an apostle, And so as we began this verse, you may have been like, what? Rights? What's this all about? Well, he has carefully argued how as soldiers, farmers, shepherds, they have the right to provision and for provision to be provided for. So do gospel ministers. So does Paul. He has the right to be provided for. So as an ox isn't muzzled, As it treads out the grain, so also a gospel minister isn't to be muzzled either. And we saw all that back in chapter 9, verses 8 through 12. Yet what's clear here, and what he wants to be clear for the Corinthians and for us, is that Paul's priority 
is the gospel above everything else. And it just, as we read these verses, it just bursts out of these verses. And what bursts out with the gospel as the priority is this first point here, a passion to preach the gospel, a passion to preach the gospel. You know, I love the passion of new believers. And I think most of you kind of know what I'm talking about when I say that. You know, many, they just have this fire burning in them. They just got to get it out of them, you know? This kind of gospel fire. They want anyone and everyone to know about Jesus and what he has done, how he has saved them, how he's redeemed them, and how they can be redeemed also through Christ. And so they have this fire, yet somewhere along the way, they're told or perhaps, you know, pressured or maybe something else to let that fire burn a little less brightly. Yet true discipleship with the heart of the Great Commission does not tell them, let it be cooled, but it urges them on Brother, sister, let it burn all the more. Even like Paul here in these verses. You know, history has seen the likes of those whose gospel fire has not gone out. And we can mention all variety of people like George Whitfield, David Brainerd, William Carrie, who is the father of the modern mission movement, like why we go and do missions all over the world, he started that. Adoniram Judson and more. And so we could look at those men and women. And so here, though, Paul, as he's talking about all this, he has rights. Yet we see just how white hot. Paul's gospel passion was. And as he wrote all this, as he's trying to make clear to them in the midst of rights and everything else, he wants to make clear to them this is not about persuading them to give to him. So that's second under the first point. This isn't about persuading them to give to him. So after talking about his rights, they might be thinking, well, I think Paul's asking us if we can give him some money. You know, this is why he's saying all this stuff is he's really just writing because he's saying he has a right for provision and he's kind of hinting at, you know, maybe you guys could give to me, you know, is that what he's doing? So I think we just need, we just need to give to him and help him out here. And so Paul, he wants them to know, (laughs) he wants them to know full well where his heart is. And it's not in money, it's not in houses, and it's not in fame. It is with the gospel. I am not writing you, so you will give to me. And in this, we're not just seeing his zeal and his passion, but what is to be our passion and our zeal also. With Paul, we see a real zeal for the gospel. A real zeal for the gospel. You know, sometimes we just need to sit back and behold the blaze of another believer's faith. If you know what I mean. You look at him and you're just like, 
whoa. You're not whoa like, that's, they're kind of being crazy. You're not like whoa like that, but you're like, whoa. They have a right passion for Christ and for the gospel. And we behold that blaze of them. And as we behold it, we don't just sit back and say, well, that's great for them. No. We behold it, and it is to cause us then, and even to cause a fire to well up in us also. Not just them. In God's purpose and plan and providence, that that believer in our midst who has a fire for the gospel is there to say, all right, everybody, let's tone that believer down. It's not that. It is all of you need to kind of tone it up to that level of a passion for the gospel. Like Paul here. And so these verses are like that. And so he says in verse 15, I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. And then verse 16, for necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And so we see in Paul a mind, mind driven by the gospel. We see in Paul then, mind, a heart beating for the sake of the gospel. And flowing from those two, a life lived for the sake of the gospel. That's what we're seeing. You're beholding the fire before your eyes. And as we see this, I ask you, do you want that? Do you want that to be true of you? Do you want to look like Paul here? I hope you do. And I hope I do. I hope we do. Now, as we see this, there's two parts to what he's saying here. Like, necessity is laid on him in the sense that God has given him this responsibility. Like, no matter what, he needs to do it. Why? Because God has told him to. Period. So he's saying that here. Willing or not, he must do it. Kind of like the prophets of old. So along with what Megan read from Jeremiah a moment ago, we read there in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Jeremiah, he says, If I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. This is what we see here of Paul. This prophetic necessity laid upon him. He must preach. Yet, what he's saying is that he wants to preach also. There's this convergence of calling and life, of command and heart. And this is also what the Lord calls us to as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ. This is to be in our own hearts, in a sense, and as the sense, the same sense that Paul has here, woe to us 
if we don't preach the gospel. We're not just to simply have gospel sparks, but gospel flames. God has called us to this also. Now hear me here. This is not about mustering up all the gospel gusto you can. It's about faith. It's about faith not in ourselves, not in our persuasive abilities. It is faith in God. God is great. His grace is great. His love is great. The gospel is great. And so we go out in view of this great God, trusting in him and what he can do. So it's about faith in God, love for God, and letting your faith in God, your love for God, drive you. By faith, we preach. By faith, we preach, brothers and sisters, out of a burning heart of love for God, love for others, we go out not in our own power, but in the power of the Spirit of God, and we don't go out so people will pray a prayer. We're not going out to make converts, but we are going out to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, making disciples of the King of everything, of the universe. Woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. And so this leads to the second part here of Paul's points. So second point, a longing for the reward of the gospel. A longing for the reward of the gospel. And so he asks this question there in verse 18. What then is my reward? He wants the reward of gospel proclamation. So sub-point under that second point, he wants the reward of gospel proclamation. He wants the reward of freely preaching the gospel out of love for Christ and out of love for others. He wants the gospel blessings that flow from that. So verse 18, again, that in my preaching... I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. And then verse 23, he says, I do all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, as you read all of this, just behold this, this sense of joy, a desire, a delight in serving the Lord in this. You know, Thanksgiving is nearly here, believe it or not. I mean, it's coming and it's just right around the corner. Now, I would imagine most of you, as you go into Thanksgiving Day and you look at the Thanksgiving meal, you don't look at the meal and go, ah, man, turkey, Dressing, pumpkin pie, rolls, all this other stuff, these desserts and everything. I mean, this is just, this is just drudgery. I mean, this is so boring, you know? No, 
I mean, you don't do that, right? At least, I'm sure most of you don't do that. Well, Paul sees preaching and living for the gospel like that, not like drudgery, but as a joy. He doesn't look at the gospel and say, oh, mm, I go share that. He looks at it and everything is lighting up in him. I get to share that with everyone? He's saying he doesn't want to make use of his rights because he so delights in the meal. He just wants to eat. He just wants to preach, to tell the lost about the treasure of the universe. Now, how does he do this? We see his gospel fire here also. He has this orientation towards the lost. And this is what he explains next here. So Paul is oriented toward the lost in a few ways. And first, he's oriented toward the lost by being a servant of all. By being a servant of all. He's not, he's not pressed. He's free. And he has made himself a servant of all in order to win more to Christ. So verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Now, what is he doing here? Well, he's not high and lifted up, right? He's not walking about in spiritual pride here and he's kind of poking at the Corinthians a little bit here because they are kind of like spiritually prideful. He's not doing that. He's not doing it from a stance of, upwardness, superiority. But he's low, and he aims to get low to serve for the sake of the gospel. You know, when one of our younger children, you know, maybe Micah or Ezra, you know, so they're not here this morning, they're in the nursery, but sometimes they'll, you know, come to me and, you know, tap on my arm or, you know, pull my arm or something or to do something to get my attention. And what I'll often do is I'll just kind of bend down, you know, and get on their level and just talk to them, right? Eye to eye and just hear whatever they have to say. Well, this is what Paul is getting at here, this kind of thing. So Paul, too, is oriented towards the lost by meeting them where they are, by meeting them where they are. So with Jews, he became as a Jew, as though he's under the law, even though he's not. With those outside the law, he became as one outside the law, yet he makes this clarification in verse 21, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So he's not living outside of God's word in all this, but as he does all this, He's living in accord with Christ in all of this. You see, when Christ came, he didn't come and destroy the old covenant law. What did he do? He fulfilled it. Now, it's all about him. It's all about Christ and living in accord with Christ and the law of Christ. 
And so he goes on also with the weak here in verse 22, and then he summarizes in verse 22 as well, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And so he's, he's getting down and he's getting on their level, meeting them where they are. Now, just see his longing here. He longs for the lost to be saved. As we live day by day, this is to be our longing too. It's to be your longing. And if you don't have this longing right now, friends, pray for it. Remember, ponder the gospel. Ponder your own state before Christ. Don't look down on others. Look at them. They are not in good shape. They may have five or six houses, but they are not okay. Be moved by love and be moved by gospel compassion, even seeing all of them in the terrible state they're in apart from Jesus Christ. They're not okay. Your neighbor is not okay. Your family members who don't know Christ, they are not okay. Yet as we read what Paul says here, we also need to see what he's not doing. So third, Paul's oriented toward the lost by not giving up the gospel for even a moment. He's not saying go and do something sinful, like I'm just going to go out. I mean, Paul said all things to all people. I'm going out and doing whatever, you know. Forget about the gospel, like all the elements of it. Forget about sound doctrine. Forget about the Bible. I'm just going to do whatever it takes. That's not what he's saying here. He's living under the law of Christ in view of Christ in all things. He's not giving up living in accord with the gospel and with the truth. He's not saying what's false is okay. He's still preaching the gospel. He's still preaching the truth. He's still preaching the word. It's the manner of his witness that he's talking about here. What is he doing? He's serving. I don't care who you are. I don't care who I am. I may be a CEO of a company, but I'm going to get low, and I'm going to serve you. I'll clean your house. I'll clean your toilets. I'll do whatever is needed. This is what he was like. He was serving, loving, caring for. And here's a big one we need today. He was listening to. He was being there. And here's another big one. He was going among the lost. He wasn't waiting for them to come to him. He was going to them. You know, and as I read this, in these verses, I just pray, Lord, make this my heart. Make it our heart, Lord. Friends, we must preach the gospel. 
we must preach the gospel. We need to understand that sharing the gospel is required of you. And I'm not talking about someone else. I'm talking about you. If you know Jesus, that's required of you. But it's not something that you simply must do, but it's something you get to do. We're to take this up with willing, glad hearts, like Paul here, gladly going out for the sake of Christ and the gospel. And you cannot do that, and you won't do that if this is your home primarily. I've got to guard my stuff. I've got to guard this, these things here. I've got to guard everything I have in my life and keep it intact because if I lose any of that, it's just I'm losing my hope. We need to take up the mind of Paul, not as someone who is detached from us to say, well, that was Paul, but we need to take up the mind of Paul when he says things like we heard on Wednesday, for those who are here, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the Christian life. And that's not this. It's this. Whatever for you, Lord. Having this gospel fire in us. It's not about waiting for people to come here. It's about us purposefully and strategically going to them. Just think about it. Is that not what Paul did? Did he wait and say, well, they're not coming to the synagogue. <laughs> they're not coming to my house, church. You know? No. Is that what the apostles did? No. And here's a big one. Is that not what Jesus did? I'm just staying here. He came, Jesus came to save us while we were yet sinners. He was a servant of all, and that's what we get to be also. So no to spiritual pride, and yes to Christ and the way of Christ and the example of Christ. Friends, we, you, must preach the gospel. Then second, see the reward of gospel proclamation. See the reward of gospel proclamation. There's joy and there is reward in preaching Christ. There's joy and reward in seeing the lost come to faith in Christ. To, as Paul says, to share with them in its blessings. Verse 23, it's not the difficulties of gospel proclamation that we're to look at. Right? Oh, well, that, that's difficult. I may lose my job. I may, uh, they're gang members. I may lose my life. Oh, it's far. It's in the mountains. It's in the forest. It's hard to get to. They are hard people. They kill people who go to them. It's not those we're to look at. But we're to look at the reward 
were to look at Christ, snatching people from the fire because we're driven by the fear of God and by the love of God, not the fear of men and not the love of this world, but the fear of God and the love of God. So in view of such a gospel flame that we see burning in these verses, we're not just to sit here and behold it, but we're to ask ourselves, how will you intentionally aim at sharing Christ with the lost? How will you intentionally aim at sharing Christ with the lost? Now answer that question. We're not allowed, but answer that. Let's move away from the abstract and really ask this of ourselves. If the gospel is as world-shaking, utterly vital, the good news of good news, are we really living that way? Just remember the gospel in your own life. How did God save you? Have we forgotten what God did? How many years have you been a Christian? Have you forgotten what he did in your life? How many years have you been in the church? Have you forgotten Jesus? Have you forgotten the gospel? What about the Great Commission? Or maybe you need to ask, did God save me? You know, I, I think we sometimes move too quickly to assurance. Paul does say in 2 Corinthians, test yourself and make sure that you're in the faith. Now, we can have assurance. You can know that you have eternal life, the first John says. But we're right. We don't need to be afraid to ask, did God save me? Because if you're not, oh my. Am I saved? But friends, if you are, if you're born again, you have a story to tell. And by the grace and power of God, tell it. Tell everyone, anyone, and go out for the gospel. Let's not ignore the truth. Those who don't know Christ are not okay. They are lost they are spiritually dead. They are without true hope. They are heading towards a Christless eternity. It will require something of you to go to them. But it's not just worth some of your life. It's worth all of it. Even if you die. Even if you lose your job. Just look at those whose flames burn so brightly 
in the past, and even those who share the gospel all around the world today, they labor for this, don't they? They'll learn languages. You may not like languages, but they're learning languages. I don't care if I don't like learning languages. I'm going to do it for the sake of the gospel. They learn cultures. They ground themselves in the word of God and sound doctrine and gospel living. Why? Because they love God and they love Christ. And they want the lost to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Are we not called to do the same? And maybe we should ask the uncomfortable question, are we not willing to do the same? Friends, why not you? Why not us? Why not now? No, we don't and we will not compromise the gospel. We will not compromise sound doctrine. We will not compromise the word. But like Paul, do whatever it takes to reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. In the 1700s, George Whitfield, he went and preached 30,000 sermons over the span of his life. I'll let you do the math on that. Now, why did he do that? For the sake of the gospel. He even said, had I a thousand souls and bodies, they should be all itinerants for Jesus Christ. Friends, may we not look on at those and people like that, like Paul, like Whitfield, like others, and say, what passion, what men and what women of God, but we would be those men and we would be those women. You would. We would. So as we see these words and take these words and hear these words, let Paul's gospel fire be our own. May we take up these words. And like Paul, may you have a gospel fire to share the good news of the gospel with those around you. Let's pray. Father, we come and we pray even as we said before, Lord, let that be my heart. Let that be our heart. We don't need to go and look at others and say, well, they're not doing it. We need to look at your word. We need to look at these gospel fires of faithfulness to the Christ and to the gospel and say, look, they did it and they're doing it. 
And that's what I'm to do also. And so I will. Help us, Lord. Help your church. Help each of us here. Renew us. Revive us. Help us to take up your word, to take up the Great Commission, to have a gospel passion and fire like Paul here and like so many others throughout history. And we just lift up our hands and say, Lord, help us. We will go. We will do it. Not in our power, not by our hand, but by your power and your hand and your grace, declaring this gospel of grace to the world. As those who have tasted and seen and taken part in this grace. So help us. Help us as we respond this morning to your word. May we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.